Yeah, we were out with the Thai gang. Yeah. In essence, in the Thai gang that yeah. ran the uh, town. <laughs> <laughs> this is the final call for me. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 208. With 83.7 million international tourists in 2014, France was the most visited country, followed closely by the United States, Spain, China, and Italy. And if you guessed Turkey was number six, well, you're smarter than me. 2015 saw us travel a lot and have some absolutely amazing travel experiences, which we're going to recount the top 24 in today's episode. But one of the most important things that we do when we travel is make sure that we have high quality travel gear. And so if you're looking for a good backpack, one that you can take all over the world with you, whether that means you're just going to stay in the United States and pop around there, or whether you're going to go far and wide to the far reaches like Myanmar and crazy places like that, you need a good backpack. And the one that I recommend is the Tortuga backpack. That's the one that I take with me everywhere that I go. So if you're looking for the good backpack, make sure to head over to tortugabackpacks.com. And don't forget, you can use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, because that will get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, and also welcome to 2016. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is a person who is an awesome birthday gift giver, my wife and constant travel companion, Heather. Wow, that's quite the shout out. Well, right now I'm sitting here looking at a fabulous birthday gift. I turned 33 on January 3rd. Lots of threes in there. And Heth, you got me something really, really cool that I've been wanting for a while. So when we lived in Japan, Travis became somewhat obsessed with the art of... Sumo wrestling. Sumo wrestling. <laughs> and one of his um, co-workers gave him like a Japanese handprint of Travis' favorite sumo wrestler. Well, it wasn't my favorite. It was the okay. one Yokozuna, which is the highest rank. His name is Hakuho. He might be considered by some to be the best sumo wrestler of all time. And so it's a handprint and then his signature. So it would be the same as someone giving you like a signed Michael Jordan basketball or something like that. And one of my coworkers gave it to me out of the blue because he heard I went to a sumo tournament. Um, I was super touched by that. And it's just been sitting in a box for what, five years now, four something years. Something like that. So I had it custom framed for Trav and I gave it to him and he loves it. So I guess it's a good it's, exchange. It's incredible. It's going to be hanging probably in my office sometime soon. It's ready to be mounted there up in the office. So if anyone's coming through Phoenixville, Pennsylvania, come check out the Hakuho handprint. Really, really cool birthday gift. And welcome to 2016, everyone. Before we 
totally jump into the new year that we're going to look back one more time in our year in review series. And we're going to give you our top 24 moments of 2015. So we try to cut these down. We're going to give five each, make it 10. There's no way we could do that. Then we're going to make it 20, 10 each, but we still had some extra ones. So what we're going to do today is give you our 24 best moments. And like we always do, we don't know each other's top moments. We haven't talked about this before. I mean, that's only like one a month for each of us. Exactly. So this podcast may go a little longer. We're only giving you one podcast a week recently through the holidays. So it may go a little longer, but we actually, one of my New Year's resolutions for 2016 is to be a little more concise. So we're going to try to keep each experience to maybe three or four minutes, try to get this in right under an hour. So if you have some time, take a listen to all of it. You'll want to stick around, obviously, to the top ones because we're going to count down. So let's jump right into it. We're each giving 12. But first, Heth, do you have any honorable mentions? No, I don't. I have one. Can I, I sneak it in here? Of course you do. I'll sure. sneak it in. Really, really quickly. Um, this was a f- super fun time and totally unexpected. Whiskey Jam in Nashville, Tennessee. That was great. I had completely forgotten about our entire trip to Nashville. I mean, that's how you know maybe you travel too much because I forgot a whole week when we were visiting my sister in Nashville and we saw the live music. That was so cool. Yeah. So if you're down in Nashville, you're passing through Nashville, Whiskey Jam is just a free live music show on Mondays at a place called Winners. Again, totally free. We went and we saw some phenomenal bands. Usually someone they come up and play like two or three songs. Someone else hops on. Um, some really, really cool bands, in, including Cadillac 3. Is that the name? Yeah. And uh, just some just some really cool stuff. So that was super fun and totally unexpected. So that's an honorable mention. Now we can get into the official 24. And we should mention, if you haven't listened to all the year in review ones, we did a top 20 meals episode. So that was all our best food. And we also did kind of the best, worst, and all of our travel stats as part one of our year in review, how many miles we traveled, you know, all types of crazy things, how many places we slept, which Heather beat me by one. So if you want to check those out, um, pretty fun episodes and been getting some really great feedback from that. So, all right, Heather, jumping in. Number 24, number 12 for you. Number 12 for me. So... When we were in South Africa, we decided to drive along the garden route. And the first stop that we made was in this town called Hermanus. And, you know, we were just going to pass through. We parked the car. We walk, you know, the three minutes to the, the coast, to like the cliff area. And what do we see but a bunch of whales? I mean, we roll up to this town, which is like a whale watching town. And there are literally two or three whales just right next to the cliffs where you could, I mean, you could jump in the water and be next to them. They were so close. It was wild. Yeah, you feasibly could have jumped off the rocks onto their back. And that was neat because we had no idea. We just stopped off in this town and then we saw these whales right there. We actually asked people, is this constant? Like they said, no, no, no. You came at a very lucky time. You, you know, you might see them once or twice or three times a day. or You might see them further out, but we just pulled up and they were right there. What a welcome surprise. It was it was really, really cool. So definitely a very memorable moment for me. Awesome. My number 12 is house sitting in Breckenridge. So this past year, 2015, we actually house sat twice in Breckenridge at the same house for about 10 days in March or no, excuse me, in April and then another 10 days in May. And that's just a town that in 2014 we had house sat for in for a month. And just a really neat town. I love going back there. 
even when it's not ski season. It's so cool. Great restaurants, cool people. And we also had some friends, Nat and Jody, who were also house-sitting at another house in Breckenridge. So we had this little club. And another friend of ours, Natalie Sisson, was also coming to hang out with both the groups. So we had this little club of like six, seven people spread out over a few houses. And uh, that was just a really neat experience. We had a really good time there. Jason came and visited us, Jason from Zero to Travel. So overall, just a really relaxing, neat time. And I that town holds a special place in my heart because I just really like Colorado. And I think it's one of the best Colorado mountain towns that you can get, especially in the off season, because there's actually stuff going on. Yeah, it's that is really cool. And it was definitely fun to be surrounded by a bunch of entrepreneurs, you know, for about 10 days and just like encouraging each other and hanging out. It was really cool. And when you got to do strategy sessions, there's no better place than in the hot tub. Absolutely. (laughs) So my number 11, is that how we're doing it? Or is this going to be 22? My number 11 is hot air ballooning in Myanmar. So I had the opportunity to take a hot air balloon. Hair, hot, hot air, air balloon. balloon ride. I haven't fully finished my first cup of coffee yet. In Bagan, in Myanmar. So I was able to just kind of glide over thousand temples in the middle of like the desert area of Myanmar. And it was just really awesome and unbelievable and Trav didn't get to go. So a little bit of a backstory. They said they would give us a complimentary hot air balloon ride. Balloons over Bagan. Um, because, you know, we were travel writers and this and that, but they only had spots for one person and they had me on the phone. They said, well, I assume you're going to be going. And I said, oh, I, you are not assuming right. There is no way Heather would ever let me live this down if I was the one to go <laughs> and she was the one stuck following me in this old rickety van bumping across the landscape. So Heather went up in the balloon. I followed along with about five guys in a van who didn't speak any English, and they were taking me all over this this area. But it was really cool. And you got champagne when you landed. As did you. I got some champagne, um, too. Yeah, it, w- it included like a champagne little brunch after you landed and, you know, an, uh, an SD stick of um, an SD card of of all the videos and the pictures that they take for you when you're on the hot air balloon. Anyway, it was And the just, balloon ride was what? About 45 minutes to an hour? Yeah, about 45 minutes. And you're just... It's like so cool because it's really peaceful and it's quiet and it's like the sunrise. And it just feels a little surreal because you're in this exotic place, you know, going over all of these temples and you pass over a couple villages and you see people like waking up and tending to their little farms and... It was neat. I'm shocked that this is not higher. I actually, when I was trying to guess what your list would be, I thought this might be number one. So that's a pretty good 2015. I know. Well, it's hard because, you know, we do so much that I didn't even remember it until I had kind of listed all of my other ones out. And Well, hey, it's a good, just leave it. It's a good 2015 (laughs) if that's number 11. And it happened in February. So that's like, what have you done for me? So far, (laughs) so far away. If anyone is going to Myanmar and, um, and you are going to Bagan, it's expensive to do the hot air balloon ride. I think it's about $300 a person, but it is anyone who's done it and actually paid for it because we didn't, full disclosure, Heather, you know, got to do it for free. Every single person we talked to said, yep, it's totally worth it. I would highly recommend it. So just an FYI on that. My number 11 is going to Mother Road Brewery in Flagstaff and then driving down to Sedona. So this Arizona trip was kind of spur of the moment. We didn't really have plans to drive and, and spend about a week out in Arizona kind of seeing stuff. And 
so everything was, I don't know, it was kind of icing on the cake. We had someone as an Airbnb person in our house here in Phoenixville. So they're paying us. So we got to extend our trip out in Phoenix. It was just really neat. And um, Mother Road Brewery was a really cool place in Flagstaff that we had to wait till 2 p.m. until they opened. So we waited around in Flagstaff. They opened. We had a few beers there. That was cool. And then just the drive down from Flagstaff to Sedona, you know, just seeing landscape we had never seen before and having it be in the U.S. and just... It was a totally new experience, and um, you know, we'd seen pictures of what the ro- Red Rocks and, and stuff like that in Sedona looked like, but it was pretty cool to be able to do it on our on our own and see it for ourselves. So that was a great, great day. Yes, it was. And I love Mother Road Brewery, which you can find out about in our Top 20 Meals podcast if you want to listen to that, because we talk about beer, coffee, and wine as a little interlude mm-hmm. between the meals. So my number 10 is... A really cool experience that we had in Cambodia. So if you've listened to the podcast before, I'm sure you've heard us talk about Boonti. And he's a driver. Which which a lot of people who might be listening actually may may know Boonti personally because we have had hundreds of people from our website and podcast hire Boonti as a driver and everyone raves about him. He's the nicest human in the world. He's so great. And we used him the first time because it was just happenstance. He picked us up. We hired him as a, as a taxi from the airport to our guest house the first time we went to Cambodia. And then we recommended him. And when we went back to Cambodia with Trav's parents, you know, we booked ahead and we said, you know, can we hire you for like the whole four days that we're there in Cambodia? So it was awesome to meet up with him again and, you know, hear more about how his life has been and his family. But then to top it all off, we actually went to meet his family. Like we went to Bunti's house and we met his children and his wife and it was just so much fun and a really cool insight into, you know, the lives of other people and yeah, we were really blessed to be able to have that experience. And if you are someone who has hired Boonti or, or will hire him in the future, I mean, cheers to you. You're part of that because he was showing us the house that he was able to build because of all the customers that he had. So he is like the rock star driver in CM Reap now because this post that we wrote that mentions him in it and gives his phone number ranks number one on Google. And so he gets, he said he gets tons of business that he actually has to, you know, outsource it out to his two best friends who are also drivers. And so it's just, it's absolutely amazing that his kids are able to take English lessons and he was able to build a different house just by the generosity of people. I mean, it's really him being an amazing person and people loving him, but people in the EPOP community hiring him and um, it's totally changed his life. And we were just really lucky to get to go see his family. I want to throw a side note in here as an extra one, which isn't on my list. Boonti then took me to get a haircut because oh I told him gosh. I wanted a haircut. So he was going to take me to a nice barber in town. I said, no, Boonti, take me to the barber that you go to. He's like, are you sure? He didn't want to take me there because he thought I wouldn't like sit outside at well, a barber. Because there was no air conditioning. Because there was no air conditioning. That's what he kept saying. Well, there's no air conditioning. I'm like, it's fine. So we went to this barber. It was like an open air place. And um, this was the craziest barber I've ever been to. First off, he cut my hair in 10 minutes. He was so fast. It looked awesome. And Bunti would not let me pay. He insisted on paying himself for my haircut because of how much he was you know, so happy that we had written about him and that we were such good friends. Um, so then <laughs> I did so sneak cute. some money in his glove box as I was leaving because I don't know how much it was. But he said, if you pay, Travis, they will charge you three times more. I will pay for you. I will get you a good deal. So, <laughs> oh, that man is awesome. Awesome. All right. Cool, Hath. I'm glad you brought that up. Sing Boonti. Yeah, yeah. Number 10. This is great. 
My number 10 is something that you may not have found as fun as the thing that you just mentioned, but I did. And oh that was Hiking Table Mountain. Oh, yeah. That did not even make my list. So Hiking Table Mountain was difficult. It was about two and a half hours up. It was much harder than we imagined. And um, it was Heather and her sister and myself. And you know, all of us struggled doing it. It was certainly not an easy hike. For whatever reason, I had an easier experience that wow. day than, it was than the two girls. It was more like rock climbing than it was hiking. There was not, there was no part of this hike that was just walking because it was just a continuous step, step, step. Yeah, and it was it was tough. But what was so neat about it was, A, it's iconic. Table Mountain, you know, is like the jewel of Cape Town. And, you know, everyone knows it if, if you've ever seen pictures of Cape Town, South Africa. And B, it was a sense of accomplishment. It's probably the hardest thing that we did this year when it comes to like physical exertion. And so that's kind of cool to look back. And now whenever we see that, we can say we've been to the top of that. Um, because when we last did something like this, hiking Mount Fuji, I was pretty worse for wear and pretty beat up at the top to the point that I actually fell asleep on a lava rock and then had to walk all the way down. So it's pretty neat. It was just cool. It was a great view from up top. It was also then something we can look back on and be like, yeah, we're at the top of that, even though it might have been tough doing it. Yeah, I have to say that Cape Town has the most stunning landscape of probably any other city I've seen in the world. Like, especially we did a helicopter ride and we saw those aerial views of the city. And now that we've done that, like I can recognize any picture of Cape Town ever online. And I feel like so many people are talking about Cape Town this year. I think it's going to be a really big hot spot to visit. Don't want to spoil it, but that was one of our things that we were most surprised about was how much we loved Cape Town in our other podcast where we talked about one of the most surprising things. That city is incredible. Absolutely. I love that place. Number nine, Heth. My number nine is something that Travis briefly mentioned, and that was going to Sedona. So my whole number nine is spending my birthday in Sedona because... Happy birthday. <laughs> so are you saying that I gave you a good gift this year too? You gave me a All good right. gift this Coming year. Coming full circle here. Coming full circle. So we decided to go to Sedona and we decided to do it over my birthday. And we stayed at a really nice Hilton, like such a great Hilton. And we don't always love like these big name hotels, but this one was really nice. It had like a fireplace in it, in our room. and They upgraded us to yeah. this like king suite, which is bigger than an apartment. Basically. It was so cool. And you could see like Bell's Rock and all these like cool structures outside the window of our room. But what made Sedona so cool to me is that we'd never been to Arizona. And, you know, of course, I've seen like pictures, but until you're there in person, it's it's so overwhelmingly cool because you feel like you're in a different country. You feel like you're in a different era because you see all these rock formations and it kind of looks prehistoric. And, you know, it's just a really cool vibe there. And I wasn't expecting to like it really as much as I did. I was very surprised with Same. how much... We really liked Arizona and, you know, being in Sedona, we had great food. We went to that was also mentioned on our top 10 meals in, um, in that top podcast. Top 20 meals. Top yeah, 20. we're just going to keep mentioning that in case you haven't listened you to know, it, that you go back to We that. love to eat, as you all know, and we love to travel and we love to explore. So hiking through some of the trails in Sedona was just really cool, even though we got rained out. But the we whole, got hailed on. It wasn't rained out. out. We got hailed on mm -hmm. going up to the Devil's Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, every part of those two nights and three days that we spent there was just really fun and really relaxing. And we got to enjoy some time together and we didn't do any work. And it was just like a nice little retreat. 
Shout out to all the e-poppers who have given us, who gave us some incredible recommendations for Phoenix and the surrounding area. Awesome, awesome places to eat, as we've already mentioned, and who gave us some really cool hikes to do and stuff like that. That was cool. I put it out on Twitter, and um, we just had a plethora of recommendations. So that was really neat. So we'll keep doing that into 2016. Whenever we're traveling, we'll be asking for your recommendations. So thank you for those in advance, and thank you to everyone who gave us awesome ones in Phoenix, including Heather's favorite meal, which again, that's another podcast. My number nine is the wedding and after party for our friend Nui's wedding. In Konkan, Thailand. And the whole story around this is that my parents came to Thailand and then we went to Cambodia with them. And the reason was to go to this friend of ours wedding who owns a Thai restaurant, as you probably heard us talk about before, in town here in Phoenixville. Really, really good friend of ours. She was getting married. They're having it in her hometown in Thailand. The wedding itself was really cool because we had never been to a Thai wedding and it was not traditional Thai, but there were some traditional Thai elements fused with like a modern wedding. So that was really, really fun itself. But probably the better part was the after party. So she had, her brother had some friends and they wanted to go out to this, this like, bar, this country western live music bar in town. She didn't really want to go out. She wasn't sure. And I said, well, I'm going out. When am I going to get to go out with like 18 Thai guys? So Heather and I went out and so did Nui and her new husband, Francis, and his son. And we all went to this awesome, huge bar of like 500 people that had all this live music. And uh, it was just a crazy night with them continuing to pour us whiskey and apparently they're part of uh, maybe some of the unsavory elements of that town in Thailand. <laughs> like they kind of run the town and we had this VIP treatment and everyone kept coming up to the one guy and like buying him stuff and giving him stuff. And then I was told I shouldn't leave that area, even though I did. It was just a funny <laughs> night overall. It was very interesting for sure. But yeah, like you said, just a unreal experience that we just happened upon and you know it was yeah, great we were to out be- with the jet well, Thai gang yeah in essence in the Thai essence, gang that yeah. ran the uh, town <laughs> more or less is how it boils down and when I did disappear and like kind of go up near the stage everyone got really nervous because they didn't know where I went and they're like you can't do that you can't do that here like they'll beat you up because you're a foreigner and they'll think you have money and this and that and I just yeah. was like, I mean I it, don't know I was oblivious I just walking was, around having fun it was fun. fine it was fine but this is like a part of Thailand there aren't tourists here you know it's a very local it's a, it's a pretty big city but it's it's not places it's not a place that it's tourists usually go yeah so all right that was nine number nine All right. Hanging out with a gang in Thailand. (laughs) My number eight is also in Arizona because I just, you know. those Arizona days coming. Had such a great time. So as an American, I can't believe it took me 33 years to see the Grand Canyon, but it did. Well, actually, to be fair, I was still 32 of the days that we were at the Grand Canyon. So I'm going to hop on this because it's my number eight as well. (laughs) Oh. Okay, perfect. So, I mean, how did you feel seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time? I was blown away by the Grand Canyon. Something we had heard a lot about and some people say, oh yeah, it's worth it. And some people say it's amazing. You know, you get mixed reviews, I guess. Um, But going with no real expectations, I think there was two important things that we did. Went with no expectations. And number two was we had been told by my brother to go to Shoshone Point, which is this lookout area where it's pretty hidden. And uh, we actually couldn't, it took us a little while to find it. And going there... 
We spent, what, four hours at Shoshone Point. We actually recorded a podcast there. Um, we did a lot of pictures and, and I did a video that I put up on the site and all that kind of stuff. And in the four hours that we were there, we saw like four other people as opposed to the main lookout points that are like just packed with tourists. Right, because when we drove into the park for the first time, we went to the one hiking trail, like the Angels something that, you know, we did like, I don't know, maybe a mile Bright of that Angel, trip. Bright Angel. We did about a mile of that trail and... You know, it was crowded with so many tourists. I mean, it was definitely really cool. And it was a really cool moment to see that Grand Canyon for the first time. But you're trying to snap a picture and there's like 20 people coming up the path. And it was just very crowded. So even having that be our first sighting of the Grand Canyon and then like leaving that spot and driving the 20 minutes to Shoshone Point and it being like just so peaceful, like you couldn't hear anything except the wind. In the show notes, we'll uh, we'll link up to a video that I shot from there so that you can check it out. But just the fact that we're shooting videos and we literally recorded a 45-minute podcast from the edge of it, and we just had the whole place to ourselves. So head to Shoshone Point. It's like this hidden gem. And there are no signs because they do that on purpose, we were told, when we talked to one of the rangers, so that only people who know about it really go because right. they so want you might it to have be. To, like, when you go into the park, you might have to ask a ranger or someone how to get to it because we were even having... We were texting with Trav's brother and we still you know, had trouble finding it. So Shoshone point at the Grand Canyon. Oh man, it was so awesome. I actually saw Heather's jaw drop when we came around a bend. We were coming out to the Grand Canyon. Like, well, where is it? You know, you're driving (laughs) it. All of a sudden you come around this bend and you see it. And we both were dumbfounded. It, I'll always remember that, that specific moment of just going around the bend, seeing it for the first time and thinking, whoa, okay, this is what everyone's talking about. Yeah, and you know, it's always been one of my dreams to do the the rafting trip through the Colorado River. And now that I've seen the Grand Canyon, I definitely want to do that trip even more. So maybe awesome. maybe next year. So both are number eight. All right, what's your number seven then? My number seven is going to Corsica and exploring that amazing island with this you. This is my number seven. We are... What? Wow. This is so funny. We're really tracking here together. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Um, okay, so we went to Corsica and we, we put this trip in between um, our 10-day filming in Switzerland, which was hectic and tiring and Details to follow of when that'll be airing. We we think we know finally. Um, So we knew that we would be exhausted after having, you know, so much fun doing that. Then after this, we were going to Africa. So we're like, okay, we have six nights. Where can we go? What can we do? So we decided through much prodding from me because Trav's like, oh, let's go to Amsterdam for three nights. Then let's go here for three nights. And I'm like, no, can we please just spend six nights in one place relaxing? So my good friend, Nick, who's been on the podcast, um, Nick Hirsch, he mentioned Corsica is one of his favorite places in the world and he's better traveled than anyone else I know. And so that was sounded great to us, right? I mean, beaches and warm weather and awesome food, hard to beat. Yeah. And the great thing about Corsica, I mean, we were there in the middle of July, but it did not feel overrun with people and tourists. Like you could go to beaches and, you know, of course there were people at the beaches, but it, it just felt nice and relaxing and you weren't like, you know, elbowing people for spots and driving around the whole island i mean it's it's a very large island and the roads are very windy so even though like if you had a boat you could get to places quickly but if you're driving it takes forever and you know so we would just go along these winding roads and we would find cute restaurants and obscure beaches and then we went up into the mountains and 
Yeah, my my number seven was actually that one day in course. I mean, the whole experience was great. A lot of it was sitting on the beach and sitting by the pool for like five of the days. But the day we took a road trip and we went and we found this incredible, maybe one of the most gorgeous beaches we've ever seen. Cannot remember the name of the beach. Probably should have looked it up before we started the podcast. But then we went down to Bonifacio, which is the town at the southernmost tip. And that was like something out of um, Game of Thrones. Like it was like this walled city right on in this amazing bay. It was it was mind-blowingly beautiful and uh yeah i couldn't then we like, had to drive back there in the dark which yeah, is a little worse but, hey. i think that my jaw dropped when we entered into that little port town as well because like it has these cliffs in it that are this yellowish golden color i mean it was just so stunningly beautiful i i would love well, to we go almost back didn't there. go because yeah. it was getting dark and we're like should we go to bonifacio like we've been trying that was kind of our goal the whole time but we hadn't seen ever we, we didn't know anything about it. we hadn't seen pictures some people were just like oh you could go down here and then we decided to go. So it was almost like this, ah, maybe we should go, maybe we shouldn't. All right, let's just go. Let's stay here for like, let's see, let's stay here for five minutes. Well, we ended up staying there for like two and a half, three hours. Beautiful. And then, yeah, driving back in the dark on these winding roads, Ugh, we got lost. Yeah. I mean, that adds to the adventure. It wasn't so much fun then because we had been out all day, pretty beat up from being at the beach all day. You know, you're just like that kind of, I guess, beach tired, right? You had been out in the sun all day. And, um, yeah, we had to drive back and we're in like the mountains and then we can't find our way home and no GPS works yeah. and we're going on dirt roads and we end up at people's wild. house. It it's, was- I mean, it's a very eclectic island because it has all of these stunning beaches and like little towns, but then it also has these crazy mountains where people do like some legitimate hiking and, you know, trails that you can go up and down the island. So it's definitely a really perfect spot if you like adventure and you like relaxing. Yeah, and grab a rental car and take at least a day or two. Uh, you could, I mean, you could take a week to just drive around the island. We just did kind of the um, the western side, but there's so many cool spots to find. So Absolutely. both are number seven, Corsica, road tripping in Corsica. Okay, now let's see if our number six match up. I doubt it. <laughs> My number six is also relaxing at a beach, and this one is in Colanta. So in the beginning of March, we were able to spend about five or six days just completely relaxing in Colanta. And what made this trip so special is, you know, Travis and I had been to Colanta before. Colanta's in Thailand. Yeah, Colanta, Thailand. Sorry, did I not say that? Not sure. So we had been to Colanta before, but this time we went with Travis' parents. And, you know, we were coming off like about a year and a half of, you know, a bit of stress. Like we're building the business. We're working together for the first time. You know, we're trying to find this balance between work and life and all this stuff. And I just, I felt like for the first time that Trav really relaxed for five straight days. Well, I spent all those five days basically reading a book called I Am Pilgrim, which is an awesome (laughs) book. And I got really into it and just would read and sit by the pool and then lay on the beach. Yeah. And I I just think that that trip kind of represented like a nice balance that we were finally able to achieve. And it was really cool being there with Trav's parents. And, you know, we had the motorbikes and we're just motorbiking around the island and we're relaxing and we stayed at a great place. So that was just a really special trip for me. that was a really fun time. If anyone wants a good book recommendation, I Am Pilgrim by Terry Hayes. You'll just be immersed in it. And I think it'll probably come out as a movie in the next couple of years because 
It's that type yeah, of book. It's an excellent book. I read it. I loved it. Trev's father read it. He liked it too. My number so. six, completely different, not anywhere near Thailand, and the opposite weather patterns. My number six is skiing in Vail. Oh. So short, short story here. Neither of us had skied in probably 10 to, well, I hadn't skied in about 15 years before we went skiing in Beijing, China, which is a story for another day back in 2014, but not the best skiing. It was man-made snow. It was a small um, hill, stuff like that. So when our buddy said, hey, do you want to go skiing in Vail? Both of us, I mean, I was legitimately scared. I thought, ah, yeah, that would be awesome, but I'm not a good skier. I haven't skied in 15 years, really. This is going to be difficult. We went. It took me a little while to get my legs under me, like a run or two. And then after that, um, we just had an amazing day skiing in Vail. We got hooked up with some pretty cheap lift tickets. We uh, had clothing from Jason's buddy who who works at Vail. So he got us all hooked up with with gear. And we it was just a really, really fun day skiing with Jason and another one of his friends who knew the mountain because his friend lived in Vail. So we didn't ever have to look at the trails or anything like that. Because, yeah. you know, a mountain that big, if you go down one way and all of a sudden there's only like three or four diamonds or, or double diamonds in front of you, like you got to go down them somehow. So they kind of picked us the routes that we should be taking. And it was just a really, I mean, it's gorgeous. The the mountain, it's huge. And it was just super fun because we hadn't been skiing in a long, long time, especially, and we had never skied out west. Yeah, we've done, I mean, I skied a lot in college and it was all East Coast skiing. And, you know, the mountains out here are good, but it's not Colorado. So when you're skiing on the mountains out here, like you feel, oh, I could be pretty accomplished. I could maybe even do a diamond, you know, on the East Coast. But then you go to Colorado and like you do a diamond, you're like, this is a hundred times harder than any diamond on the East Coast. So Anyway, after the first run, which, you know, was a little... <laughs> Heather wiped out on and got upset because I hadn't fallen yet. So a little <laughs> bit of competitiveness coming through there. She didn't even want to... She said, I'm not skiing with you the whole rest of the day. Like, All right. You don't have to tell come everyone. On, come on. Some <laughs> honesty here. Yeah, it was... But it was the day that I think, you know, when you hear about people who love skiing and fall in love with skiing, I mean, that's how I felt that day was just, this is the best thing ever. I'm out... It's a beautiful day. It's super fun. And it's just like like being outside in that fresh air and, and getting exercise and just, it was it was incredible. So skiing in Vail, something I had no idea we'd be doing at the beginning of this year and was very scared to do turned into what was my number six experience of 2015. Cool. My number five is the trip that we took to South Africa with my sister. So this is the first time that we The went- whole trip or a specific part? The whole trip. Okay. The All whole right, trip. We'll let you, you know, I'm that. like just picking the whole. Why can't I say like some type of no, rule no, no. that There's I could no rule. pick no a rule. whole trip? You can pick a whole trip. Every day of those 20 days was okay. the best of the year. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, anyway, the reason why is because, first of all, we loved Cape Town. We loved it more than we thought we would love it. You know, we weren't even sure if we wanted to go on this trip. And then we went and it was just so amazing. But it was also really cool for me to travel with my younger sister because she we'd never really been on a big trip like this together. And that was really cool. And I mean, for Trav, you know, he's hanging out with two girls all the time. So for him, he might not. I was desperately trying to find a good craft beer place, <laughs> which I finally did go listen to that podcast, Top 20 Meals. But yeah, just all those experiences, like I mentioned, we saw those whales off the coast and like my sister growing up was like totally into marine biology. And so being able to see those whales with her, it's just like such a really epic trip. 
And it was fun to travel with someone who obviously doesn't travel as much as we do. And that's one of the reasons I love traveling with my parents in the beginning of this year to Thailand and Cambodia, because even if it's not new to you now, this was new to us. Everything in, in South Africa and Cape Town was new to us as well. But you get to see it through the eyes of someone who this might be their one big trip of the year or of a couple years or of a lifetime. And we know how blessed we are to be able to do multiple trips like this. So it's cool to see it and and feel the energy and enthusiasm from them because I like to think we keep things very enthusiastic and we we love it but it's it is different when it when you're doing big trips every couple months and things like that so that i felt that same way when we were with my parents in february and march because we we're seeing everything through their eyes and it was everything was new and exotic and fun so it was cool yeah awesome my number five is the two days after we got done filming in switzerland so we got done filming in Bern at about 10 a.m. And then like the crew left and it was just Heather and I and the one sound guy who were staying behind and we had no plans. And so we went back to the Burn Tourism Board and hung out with a few people we had met the day before. And we're like, you guys want to go like floating down the river? And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of them came with us. So we just spent half the day jumping off bridges, floating down the river, eating gelato, hanging out. And we had, you know, we had gone through nine days of pretty intense filming, you know, waking up and always having to be on camera. So it was a really cool time to not have to worry about any of that. Yeah. And you didn't have to worry about hair, makeup, wardrobe. Nothing. If you're going to stumble over a line, if you're like interviewing someone, it was just so nice to finally be able to let loose and not have to think about anything. Yeah, a weight had been lifted off our shoulders. We had no schedule. We didn't even know where we were going to go. So, you know, we spent that half day in Bern. We decided to go to Lausanne, where I had spent four months um, living in 2008. So I hadn't been there for seven years. 2009. So we went to to Lausanne. Um, We took the train there. Again, like it was just this freeing feeling of like, we're done filming. We've done our best. Now let's just travel and have fun. Um, we went to Lausanne. We kind of mimicked what we had done in Lausanne, you know, seven years prior, six years prior. We got baguettes. We had a picnic down by the river. Uh, we went to the Olympic Museum in Lausanne. We hopped on the paddle steamer because we had a Swiss travel pass. So we just took it all around uh, Lake Geneva. We went to one of my favorite castles in the world, Chateau de Chillon. We went swimming in the lake. I mean, it was just this. It was. It was freedom again from and like the filming was fun and great. And we got through some cool stuff, but it was constantly having to be on point. And right. here it was like, nope, we're just doing whatever we want. So we had two free days before we headed down to Corsica and we just we traveled like with no worries. Yeah. And it was also cool to relive those moments of like, you know, when you lived in Lausanne seven years ago, it was your, your home for four months. So it was really cool to go back there and it was awesome to go back and yeah. nothing had really changed in reliving it again. I was, and I got to show you and, and Kevin, the sound guy around and show you what I had done before. And I, you know, I kind of remembered the city. So I was like going around corners. I think, I think this restaurant's around here and then it would be, or sometimes it wouldn't be, but it was awesome. And we got to meet up with a friend of mine who I, I forgot who had lived in Lausanne when I was there. She just happened to be coming back through town because she lived in France now. And we had a pretty wild night at one of the clubs with her, which was pretty funny because that's what we used to do seven years ago. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate reliving. Taking it back. All right. And what number are we on? You are on four. your number four. 
Okay, so my number four is going to Angkor Wat in Siem Reap, Cambodia. Home of Boonti. Home of Boonti. And going back there for the second time because, you know, the first trip we went was really amazing, really fun, really quick because we were only there for like two nights. And, you know, we were able to explore Angkor Wat, but... Angkor Wat is a humongous complex. So I had always wanted to go back and spend more than just like 24 hours there. So we were able to go back this March. We were there with Trav's parents and we were showing them around it for the first time. And it was just really cool. My mom was on crutches. So my dad and me were carrying her on our shoulders. It was was pretty pretty funny. funny. And just going around to different spots and like traveling with Boonti and having him show us different temples that we've never been to before. And, you know, going back to like the main temple complex and then seeing that in four years, there's an exponential increase in the amount of tourists that are there. That was the reason that this didn't make my list this year is that Angkor Wat to me had always been my number one place I had ever been. And going back was fun to show my parents, but I hated the fact that there were so many new tourists. I mean, it was insane. Now, most of them um, were Chinese tourists because obviously in the last four years, Chinese middle class has grown and people have started to travel more. And it was packed. And it, it had been packed four years ago compared to like people who had been there 15 years ago, but it was insane, the difference. And so I still had fun, but it did tarnish it a little bit for me. Yeah, I mean, it it was a different experience for sure, but we also went to so many other temples and there were fewer tourists at some of the other temples and like the temple where we filmed like the intro and outro for our top 10 video, that was a really cool temple that we'd never been to before and there weren't that many people there. So I just really enjoyed that experience. Yeah, I would still highly recommend Angkor Wat to anyone. To me, it was just... It was a little different because I didn't expect it to be that much more crowded, and it really was. But having my mom hop along through the temples, that that was priceless. Yeah, for sure. And I think that she really enjoyed seeing it for the first time. Yeah, My number four is opening the school that first day in Kenya. So we've mentioned this before in the podcast, but if you're unfamiliar, we took a 10-day trip to Kenya with World Teacher Aid, and they build schools in Africa. In, in Kenya. And we got to go on a safari, which might be on our list a little later, uh, coming up, uh, preview there. But one of the things that we got to do is go to these schools. And so going to the first school that they had ever built that very first day was unbelievable because the joy on these kids' faces was like nothing I had ever seen. I mean, all we did was bring a soccer ball and a few jump ropes and things like that. And, you know, I remember like, uh, Stu, the guy we were with, kicked the soccer ball in the air. It's like, all right, who wants to play soccer? We're like, yeah, yeah. He kicks the soccer ball in the air, and there's just a swarm of kids chasing. So there's probably 100 kids playing soccer with one ball. So getting to be around that, and then over the next couple of days, we went to other school sites, and then we actually opened one of the schools. But just that whole experience of being around the schools and at the schools and seeing the work that gets done was something that I... I knew that it would be neat, but I didn't think that I would have that deep of an experience actually seeing and meeting the kids and playing with them and and getting involved. And Heth, you spent some time like painting toenails of the girls and showing them how to do makeup and stuff, right? Yeah, it was really cool. Um, It'll also be on my list as well. So, Oh, well, you could have jumped in and said that. All right, let's go to your number three then. (laughs) Um, My number three is um, biking around Bagan 
Myanmar. So the same place right, where... This will be on my list <laughs> later as well. The same place um, where I did the hot air balloon ride. You can hire bikes. So you can either have like a regular bicycle or an e, an electric bicycle because they don't allow tourists to have motorbikes in the Myanmar yet because um, of too many accidents and stuff. But you can hire an electric bike, which we did. And because the temple complex is huge. I mean, if you had a regular... 2,200 temples. Yeah. So if you had a regular bicycle, that would be like a really intense workout and you wouldn't be able to get to quite as many temples. So we hired the electronic bikes and we just literally bombed around these like dirt roads and like, I mean, it's... Sometimes there were not even roads yeah, at all. I mean, sometimes we're just literally going through fields and it's just really like an open course where you can do whatever you want because there's not a lot of, you know, guards or anything like that. You could just climb on anything, go anywhere. It was so free and you really felt like a real explorer, except that, you know, there are still lots of other tourists there. But, but you could go to areas. I mean, you could be on oh, temples yeah. that you couldn't see a single other tourist when you climbed to the top and you looked out over it. So because it's so large and there's so many temples and there's a few main ones that people go to for sunrise and sunset, mm -hmm. which are cool, but you can go to your, uh, you can have your own temple all to yourself yes. for sunrise and sunset and you can't see another soul anywhere in the distance. It's, it's so unbelievably cool. And I think going to Myanmar, I mean, it was a place that we really wanted to go to last year for the very reason that it's new to tourism and it feels like this, you know, last frontier of Southeast Asia. And, that's, and it wasn't always easy, as we've talked about in other podcasts, but this made it all worth it. But yeah, it absolutely did because you just, you felt like you were doing something that was outside the box and that like not a million other people have already done. So it was a really special experience. And, you know, that'll change soon the more people that go to Myanmar. So I would say if you're debating on where to go in 2016, put Myanmar at the top of your list. For sure. My number three is going on to safari in Africa. I believe this might be on your list. <laughs> yes. As what number? As number two. All right. So you can jump in on this now. Yep. My number three, your number two, going on safari in Africa. We did this on the trip with World Tea Trade. So half the first five days, we kind of were at the schools, helping build the schools, you know, opening the school, this and that. And then the last three, four, five days, we were on a safari in the Maasai Mara, which is the Kenyan part of the Serengeti. And man... Safari for me had never been something like to some people, it's their number one thing they would ever want to do. Like that's my number one travel goal is going on safari. For me, I was like, eh, that sounds cool. Like I know it'll be cool, but it wasn't up there for me. And it blew away every expectation that I had. I mean, from the moment that we got in that Jeep and they took us out and all of a sudden we were just seeing zebras and giraffes. And then gazelles and hyenas. And then within 30 minutes, we saw a lion kill a warthog, which our friend Stu, who had said he's gone on eight of them, had never seen. I mean, we got a pretty epic. We saw a rhino within the first 30 minutes, which is very rare. We got a pretty epic experience. Well, it's just so cool because from the second you go to the airport in Kenya, like you go to this small airport and you get on a 10 passenger plane and it's like this cute little plane. You feel like super exotic and really fun. And then you land in the Maasai Mara, you know, planes and it's this little airstrip and all you can see for far, you know, as far as you can see, is just like 
tall grass. Well, even and, like, coming trees. in on the plane, like you're yeah, you flying saw over giraffes. all the animals. Yeah, like it's so cool. It, it's like a, being in a movie, and then you land, and they take you there. Have all these like Land Rovers, and then they take you to camp. And the camp was really amazing, like which we talked about in another podcast. The how, governor's like, camp. The governor's camp. It was like glamping and really luxurious and cool. And like Travis said, like you have a guide who just is basically anytime you want to go out. They're there to take you out. So you just schedule times to go. And, you know, it's he just, knows the area really well. So like, oh, we're going to try. We want to find a leopard today. And and so like we will go all over trying to find leopards or take it to where the hippos are, yeah. you know, so they know well, what. To yeah, look they're for. used to the to the land They're They communicate with other guys and they also watch the animals and they can see like, you know, triggers from the animals, like where they might be moving to or, you know, I mean, it's just it's really, really a cool experience. If been on safari you know what we're talking about if you haven't been go yeah definitely i mean it's just it's it's one of the best experiences and you know my number one and number two are, are both in kenya and it was really hard to choose which one would have been you know one and which one would have been two so yeah uh safari in africa blew away my expectations and the governor's camp was expensive but if you're gonna go it's one of the only ones that is not fenced in so like hippos would walk through our camp and, and elephants stuff. And yeah it was pretty insane um my number two is the cow soy day with my parents so <laughs> if you have ever listened, surprised if you listen to any podcast that had to do with eating and even ones that didn't i probably mentioned the dish cow soy which is a northern uh, Thai dish, my favorite thing in the world to eat. And so I wanted to have my dad try this because he loves Thai food too. And my mom, but she doesn't love it as much. And we went to the one place that's my favorite place in the world and he loved it. And then so I started looking up some of the other, you know, best cow soy places. And, you know, I found, I got recommendations. And there's like four or five other ones that got mentioned in this town of Chiang Mai. I said to my dad, like, do you want to go out and try them all? Like, let's just see if any is better than the one that I think is the best. And so we hopped on motorbikes. So him and my mom on one, Heather and I on another. Or do we each have our own motorbike? No. We were doubling up, yep. right? Two motorbikes. And we just we just bombed around. I mean, one was really far out. It took yeah. us like a good 35 minutes like, on the motorbike. We had never been to this part of Chiang Mai before. No. And so we went out there. We tried it. We, you know, we went down this other road. And so I'm leading them, trying to find these places, mm -hmm. you know, making wrong turns. And uh, we stopped at these two other shacks and we had it there. And then we went to a fourth place and we had it there. And then we went back to my favorite place, Calsoy Mesa, as the fifth place to test it against all the other ones. Um, which I think we all agreed was the best one, although some of the other ones were great. But what a cool experience. Like, not all. So, having my parents in Thailand and Cambodia, I knew was going to be top of my list anyway. But having that specific day where our only goal was to go out and try these dishes, but that led to all these funny adventures of us getting lost. And, you know, it was just, it's like my perfect travel day is going around trying to eat more of a good food. And so to be able to have my parents there and Heather there with us, um, well, with me, was. It was just awesome. It was a really fun day. And of course, really cheap because a motorbike's like two bucks. Gas is like a dollar. And each cow soy was like a dollar a bowl. Yeah, it's like the cheapest, best food tour you'll ever go on. But 
That's the thing with Thailand. Like, it's so hard. We haven't been there since March. And now we already want to go back because we miss it so much, even though there are so many other places we want to go to that we have never been to. So it's a struggle. The struggle is real. Struggle (laughs) is real. Thailand, you have a grip on my heart. So that was my number two is that specific day going around on a cow soy, a self-made cow soy tour with my parents and showing up some of those places like you it was all locals. Yeah. Like I was getting recommendations from people of like, where's the best cow soy? And they're like pointing me like, go by this gas station. And then there's this little shack. And you know, half the time, I don't even know if we ended up at the places they told us was the one or if it was just a random place. Yeah. On to your number one. Okay. My number one, which was basically tied with number two, um, both happened in Kenya. So the safari. And then my number one was the day that we went to the new school in um in the what was that haji farm haji farm sorry haji farm so we had camped you know on the property of the local governor and this was the non-glamping part of the trip so we just spent a very cold cold night sleeping you know with not enough blankets and freezing our butts off and everybody kind of woke up a little bit grumpy you know because we'd all been freezing and we, we head to Haji Farm and the day is starting to warm up. So none of us are that cold anymore. And the sun is shining and like the scenery is beautiful because you're just going on these dirt roads, like uphills and downhills. And you see like all these, these farms with these like little shacks basically where people are living. And we get to the top of a crest and there's the old school and there's a crowd of school children and teachers and they make us stop the vans. We all get out of the vans and then we dance. We literally dance the mile in to the school where the new school is located. And you just kind of like go down the hill and you can see this whole landscape of like the new school buildings, you know, amongst all these like, really beautiful hills. It was just such a cool experience and to see the excitement on these kids' faces and to literally dance. I mean, we danced for three hours straight. And it's not something that Americans are used to. Americans are more reserved. We don't just dance and sing and jump around like on a normal day. But for these Well, Kenyans, I like how they asked I mean, us, like, are you, after we danced down to the school, they're like, oh, are you ready to play? And we're like, oh, sure. Figuring we like play soccer or, or games or something and like okay and the playing was dancing was like for another dancing. two hours you know and some of it was structured dancing like each class room got up and did like their own special dance and then like included us so it was very organized and they'd obviously practiced so much and they were just so excited i have never felt such excitement and enthusiasm for a school like in the u.s kids are like oh we have to go to school and like yes i know it's different you know and you can't expect it to be the same situation but just being there with these these communities that are displaced in their own countries and they don't have anything i mean they don't have running water they don't have heat they were all probably cold that night you know and here we are all you know americans or europeans and we're like oh we didn't have any heat and we we're freezing and like uh just complaining and then <laughs> we go to this community that's obviously you know doesn't have as much as we have and they're so excited for this school it was just a really good moment for me to take it in and just enjoy it for what it was and take it to heart and hopefully make it change your view a little bit and what was neat is that the school once a school comes into a community 
it really does change that community because all of a sudden the government starts paying attention because there's something there. There's a school. So you could tell by building that school, not only are they getting education, but they're also getting the recognition from the local and then the national government because now it's like more, it, it just ties the community together and it's something to rally around. And so then they do bring in, uh, a lot of times you see once supplies, the school's built, they bring in more supplies, books. they help that community out, they give money, you know, um, because they see it as a real community versus just a bunch of displaced people kind of living in the same area. So it really helps there. Awesome experience. My number one as Heather alluded to, is already is the temples in Bagan. And uh, so this is like, you know, once you get to like five to one, it's all the same. But the temples of Bagan blew me away. They, I think, are now my favorite place that I've ever visited, maybe even ahead of Angkor Wat, because it is a little more remote. Um, it's not as overrun by tourists now. And it was just an incredible experience, as we've already touched on with the balloon ride and then taking the e-bikes to these temples and having your own temple and uh, just being able to do whatever you want. Um, the accommodations aren't the best in that area, but the area, I mean, just going out and seeing the temples every day, day after day, I mean, there's 2,200 of them. So you could spend a lot of time there and not see the same ones. And you don't even know where you are half the time. You're like, is this where we were last yesterday? Because, you know, you, you get all turned around. It's it's hard to believe that you can get turned around, but with no roads, you you it's very hard to know where you were the day before. So it was just... Yeah, it was like being a modern day explorer, even though we had e-bikes and there was like other <laughs> tourists around. It was as close as we've ever gotten to like undiscovered land. So the temples in Bagan in Myanmar was my number one experience of 2015. Yeah, and that's not a surprise because it was absolutely fantastic. And what a good year when, you know, you have so many amazing top 12 moments that and so many others that we didn't even mention and we did pretty well we kept it to about all told an average of like two and a half minutes each thing so a little bit there we go we're starting 2016 off the right way in being a little more concise we fit 25 things in with my honorable mention and don't forget guys um you can get all the show notes to this all the stuff that we mentioned i told you i'll put that video in with shoshone point but we'll link all that up at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. You know you can get every show notes uh, for any episode there as well as this one. And if you want to interact with us, we'd love either tweet us at Pack of Peanuts or leave comments in those show notes and let us know what your favorite experiences were of 2015. If you want to give us a list of 24, go for it. If you only want to give us a few, that's fine too. What were your best moments of 2015? We're starting 2016. We're super excited for that. But let's take some time to reflect back on 2015 because I'm sure a lot of you had some incredible experiences um, and you know, let us know those because that could help us then plan our next travels because we're always looking for recommendations there. Right, Heth? Absolutely. Little bit of housekeeping before we go, guys. If you want to hop on our email newsletter list, you can text PEANUTS to 33444. And super magically, you'll be part of the email newsletter list. You'll get our free um, video series on how to always find the cheapest flights. And also, you're going to want to hop on this email newsletter list because we've got two new projects coming out at the beginning here of 2016 that are going to help make 2016 your best year of travel. I don't even know if Heather knows what both these projects are. But we will be announcing that very shortly on the email newsletter list. We'll be giving you information about that. Um, both I'm super excited about, including one new project that's going to be able to send people text messages. 
You know what I'm talking about, I do know what you're talking about. So two cool projects, one that's going to help you get the cheapest paid flights and one that's going to help you really maximize earning and using your frequent flyer miles that are coming out in 2016. So you'll be able to find that out when you hop on the newsletter list by texting peanuts to 33444. So hop on there. Don't forget, if you're looking for a good backpack, tortugabackpacks.com, the sponsor of today's show, you can use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters that will get you 10% off your entire order. And I know that a lot of people in 2016, you know, you've probably made some resolutions or you've, you've had some thoughts, at least one of those might be to travel more. It might be to create your own job or create your own income stream, things like that. We've touched on this a little bit in some of the other podcasts, but if you guys are interested in learning how to travel more or learning to travel, live and work anywhere in the world, one of the big, our big pushes for 2016 is to really, really start focusing on our community, Location Indie. That's I-N-D-I-E. Um, it's a membership site for people who want to travel, live, and work anywhere in the world and starting to grow rapidly. And it's really neat. And we're doing some cool things in there. So if that's something that interests you, um, you maybe you want to start your own job. Maybe you want to freelance. Maybe you just want to travel more and learn how to make some money while you're doing that. Head on over to Location Indie, I-N-D-I-E. Um, put your email in there and you'll get some videos, some totally free videos, giving you some great advice. And um, if you like what you see, maybe we'll see you inside the Location Indie community, which Heather is a part of. And I keep trying to get her to hop in the forums um, and answer some fashion questions that, <laughs> that people have about traveling. So hop on over, check that out. And if you want some more podcast. You know, if this one wasn't long enough for you, we've dropped some podcasts as we were talking about that. Just a few off the top of my head that you'll probably enjoy listening to if you like this. Of course, our Best Meals podcast. Yeah, that was so fun to record. And I hope that everyone enjoys listening to it. Yeah. So our Best 20 Meals of 2015. Uh, we also did another part one of our year in review where we gave you all the stats, how many miles we traveled. And we also talked about kind of the superlatives, our best and worst in certain categories, what surprised us the most, all that. That's another episode. And we did a one about our travel freakouts in Myanmar. So you heard us mention Myanmar and some of the good things about Myanmar. But it's a tough country to travel through. So if you're thinking about going to Myanmar, listen to our two travel freakouts in Myanmar episode. Just so you know what you're getting into. Uh, we would highly recommend heading there. But yeah, that was uh, that was a bit tough. And we also talked about the Grand Canyon. So we recorded an episode from the edge of the Grand Canyon. And that is called, I think, like the four decisions that we made that land us at the edge of the Grand Something Canyon. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. So check those out if you want more podcasts. We'll be coming at you next week, of course. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for listening to our year in review. Drop us a note in the show notes or tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. What was your top moments of 2015? We'll hear from you shortly. And until next time, happy, happy free, free travels. travels.